Welcome back to the Design Positive Show, an initiative of IAMAI, the Internet and Mobile Association of India. This is Karthi Subraman bringing you yet another superstar Asian designer to the show. Today we'll discuss one of the most popular and contentious topics in the business of the design world called design thinking and explore some of the prevailing myths around it with our design thinking expert Anjali Kelkar. Join me in welcoming Anjali to the show. Here is a quick intro to our speaker. Anjali Kelkar is a director of Studio for Design Research and is based in Hong Kong. She has over two decades of experience as a design strategy practitioner, mentor and educator leading strategy and research teams across Asia, Africa and Americas. She has been an internationally invited thought leader who has published in user experience and business journals and taught as an adjunct faculty, especially design strategy at the universities globally. Anjali, it's uh, such a pleasure and a privilege to host you in our show and in this uh, episode. Myself and our listeners are eagerly waiting to hear about design thinking uh, from somebody like you today. So without further ado, let's get started. And uh, I would like to ask a few questions to you and let's, you know, kind of have it more like a conversation around design thinking. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks, Karthi. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Uh, and it's my pleasure and honor to share my experience with you uh, and, and the audience over this podcast. Awesome. Great. So for starters, here's my first question. We have been running back and forth with this topic, uh, design thinking, uh, for over two decades now. It is the most uh, used, overused, abused, <laughs> misused term <laughs> from the design industry. Some rave about it, some say it is BS. For starters, what is design thinking? Discussion altogether. Uh, well, my very simple definition is that design thinking is a problem-solving uh, approach and mindset applied from design thinking uh, education and complemented by methodologies used in social sciences to drive uh, towards uh, developing human-centered solutions. So uh, designers are taught to communicate via visuals, uh, to turn ideas into lo-fi prototypes, testing them to understand what works or needs improvement, and using these to have uh, generative discussions, right? So the idea is this, that there is always a thing uh, that we have created uh, uh, that we will have a discussion over. Uh, we will rarely have... a uh, uh, conversation and leave it as a conversation alone. And so having a discussion around an artifact, uh, you know, be it uh, something you draw on a board or be it uh, a product that you may have made uh, is sort of a, gives you a sort of hands-on mindset, right? The idea of making and testing becomes mm. therefore critical, becomes critical approach to problem solving and becomes even more powerful uh, when it's done in the context of people and the environment. So, uh, typically, this is not done outside and in, in, in a, a seclusion, but it sort of applies a methodology from the social sciences, which we call design uh, research, you know, taking in, in consideration people and in their environment and how they would use. Mm, uh, mm. That's so power packed. So if I need to ask in this way, if you need to distill it down, what is that essence of design thinking? How would it sound like? 
Yeah, so I, I truly believe uh, design thinking mindset uh, keeps the user at the heart of the system, right? To ensure the innovation of goods, services, uh, it could be policies even, um, mm. are we inclusive of all stakeholders, right? And stakeholders do not mean factories and uh, institutions and roads and cities. Stakeholders are human beings. Mm. So uh, every human being who is directly impacted by good services, policies, innovation, uh, becomes critical to uh, being part of that system. So one of the go-to models for design thinkers is uh, the viable, possible, desirable model, which really uh, essentially translates to, is my solution viable for business? Um, that is, will business make money out of it, right? Because this is all, if you don't sell the thing that you make, you're not going to make money, there will be no business. So is it viable for business? Is it possible from a know-how perspective? There is no point coming up with solutions that require us to start thinking technology from scratch. Um, is there something already available out there? Uh, and thirdly, is it desirable for whomsoever we are designing for? Uh, the most ideal solution is one that targets all three touch points simultaneously. So if we were to uh, problem solve, keeping all these three touch points in mind when practicing design thinking, then it loops, uh, loops back to us radically changing our mindset and approach to problem solving. And that, that's design thinking. Wow, that sounds fairly straightforward and simple. Uh, I think the only way we can kind of understand this is a shift in mindset and we start from the human, the desirability, if I may kind of put it back together. So why are we complicating this? I mean, why do you think there is a complication in this understanding? Well, uh, unfortunately, most uh, design programs, design thinking programs are not enabling a mindset shift, but instead showering their audience with a slew of tools and methods uh, which are used uh, for this approach. Hmm. Uh, through courses or seminars and you know some of these range from like literally there there are 30 minute workshops on become a design thinker <laughs> uh, to think yeah it's true uh, or you know run over two days or sometimes over a week um, and sometimes they even provide certifications at the end of this program right now people come out of these experiences uh, with design thinking jargon obviously because you spend such little time so you will come up with some keywords. Uh, so they'll come out with things like, oh, how might we um, journey mapping, let's make personas, let's do a prototype, uh, mm -hmm. let's do brainstorming. Uh, but often they don't quite understand how and when, what tools. So don't get me wrong, uh, tools are critical to the rigor of the design thinking approach. Mm -hmm. After all, uh, there is a method to the madness, right? But yeah. not everyone who practices design thinking needs to be an expert of all tools, what a good course should do is give you a combination of two things. It mm -hmm. must give you a general scan of what this whole approach is about, right? Yep. At the same, so you can look at it as what's the macro idea of design thinking? How can it help a large company uh, uh, reframe its whole value to its audience? That's a, a sort of macro approach. Mm -hmm. It can uh, It can also give you, it should also give you though a micro approach. So, a very critical part of a workshop should also be a one-on-one -on -one coaching to ensure that each attendee knows how to apply this mindset to the type of work they do. 
right? Oh. So you could you could be a Six Sigma black belt, and there, uh, you know, you're doing all your measurements brilliantly, and you're doing everything well, but there's certain pain points in your innovation process. And guess what? Design thinking could come in and complement what you're already doing well to give you more power, right? So that could be a micro level. Uh, and you need to understand, you, you need to be uh, shared both these micro and macro views in a workshop at the least. Wow, I don't think our workshops are doing that. But it sounds fairly uh, sensible and straightforward to understand um, whenever there is complication, I'm sure that comes from a bunch of myths. So what would you uh, kind of point out as myths that is causing this, if not all of it, at least the top three myths in this field? Yeah, I mean, there are a multitude of myths around design thinking. Um, okay, so for the safe, sake of time, I will pick my top three favorites, right? Mm. So myth one uh, that design thinking is a process with tools and this process is linear, um, right? It's, mm. it's quite the opposite. Uh, we talked about it being a mindset and it's cyclical. Yep. The second myth is um, uh, because it's a process with tools and the process is linear, I can access the toolkit. If I can access it, I'll become a design thinker, right? <laughs> yes. And that follows into myth three, so uh, once I apply the toolkit, voila, I'll magically see the amazing impact design thinking uh, has that the entire world is talking about. Well, uh, mindset is the hardest thing, Anjali. So probably that is why people are going in the toolset route, um, maybe. Uh, as you said, it is also a big business. <laughs> there is always someone's business that hurts, right? I mean, a cigarette yeah. is a business. It hurts you. Sugar water is a business. It hurts you. It, it creates bellies. So what is this business behind this design thinking that is really hurting us to think in, in, in the way a design thinker should be really uh, going? Yeah, so I mean, you know, design thinking as a workshop business uh, unfortunately, has a module for every budget, location, time. Uh, you know, uh, it, that in that sense, it's proving to be human-centered, right? Because we'll come mm -hmm. to you. You don't need to worry. Uh, and some even certify you, right, as we spoke about before in a day. <laughs> unfortunately, this uh, popularizes the idea that this is an easy skill to learn uh, and, mm -hmm. and lets the audience say, wow, you know, this is a buffet counter. Let me pick the one that's most convenient to me. Mm. Right. So the plethora of choice and options does not mean that the course you sign up for will prepare you for that mindset change. And therefore, since you haven't understood how to do that, it will be unlikely you will be practicing design thinking. So chances are that key phrases will float in your mind and you'll sort of try some of those that make most obvious sense to you. Mm. And eventually give up and go back to how you always did things. Uh, I have heard this from a lot of people. Uh, so I'm simply re-quoting that. Mm. Uh, sometimes because perhaps those tools are not what you specifically need and so you may not, you know, apply them. Uh, or some other times uh, the, the fact that a short course really can't teach you practice, right? It can give you theoretical knowledge. Yep. But where is the time to practice and, and learn it? So it's important to remember that the practice of design thinking uh, is not a linear quantifiable study, nor is it a process where you have a fixed formulaic series of steps that lead you to a solution. In mm. fact, chances are you won't uh, become a design thinking expert from a workshop, but instead uh, 
you will become a design thinker by being part of a design thinking practice, mm-hmm. right? One mm-hmm. uh, that is uh, multidisciplinary, that has people from different disciplines. You, you're, work, you're a designer working with an engineer, a mar- marketing consultant, and a sociologist who collaborate uh, to visualize ideas, conduct research, and prototype and test, right? And mm-hmm. finally, have the courage and humility to reframe their assumptions, Sort of all of this has to work together. A uh, design thinker can't work in isolation and be yep. uh, changing mindsets. <laughs> yes, right? yes, absolutely, yes. So a key issue that design thinking strives to address uh, is the challenge business have, businesses have with problem framing, right? And this is where mm. it has actually made impact. So there's always this notion that, you know, business will say this, there's always this notion that since I have the right problem that Mm. needs resolving, uh, why not I just go ahead, do some brainstorming, gather ideas, right? But most Mm. of the time people are assuming they know the problem, right? Because they see it from their lens Mm -hmm. um, or they see it from the lens of their business or institution. And so what they don't realize is that they don't have the problem right. (laughs) <laughs> as such, as such, land up designing solutions for a target audience who is least likely to need the solution they came up with. And therein begins a pointless loop of time, money, cost, uh, all of that. You mm. know, where surveys are conducted, questionnaires and focus groups are conducted, um, really essentially to validate solutions and not really get feedback. Remember, feedback, mm-hmm. feedback is a two-way story. It's not yep. a monologue. It's not like, hey, do you like this? What color do you like? That's that's at a very later stage in innovation. <laughs> yes. So so this approach entirely defeats how design thinking works because uh, uh, they are pushing their company's mindset to the problem right. versus bringing the user's mindset to the company. Hmm. Maybe right. we should call it uh, problem thinking, not design thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, mean, I don't, I don't see any reason why we are uh, necessarily stuck on this word. I think it really comes from the idea that in design education, you're taught mm-hmm. to really uh, make and test versus imagine that you know what the issue is. So. So really what happens with this uh, traditional way of innovation is that you get no meaningful data unless you're in the context of the user, right? And it's Mm -hmm. only in the context of the user that you will truly discover. So discovery helps you get the problem right and then helps you reframe your question. And then, you know, by all means, you could use the methods you've always used. Uh, At least the right user is answering your query. Uh, even though I don't fully agree that traditional market research methods give you the best feedback. But, well, <laughs> Kathy, that's a conversation for another session. Absolutely. I'm jotting it down right away. So, uh, so much needs to happen for you to become a design thinker. It's like saying, I went to uh, how to understand a heart and I'm a cardiologist in three days. That's exactly what is happening. So uh, in case I need to really go ahead and learn design thinking, what do you think should be the characteristics of a good design thinking workshop or a course for that matter? Uh, hmm. I, I truly believe that an effective design thinking workshop should teach you to challenge and reframe your problem question. Uh, mm. thereby quickly enabling the importance of mindset change, right? Mm. Uh, it should also be clear in explaining that design thinking is a cyclical approach. Uh, there's neither a beginning nor an end. 
tools and methods can be used multiple times at different stages in your innovation challenge to enhance your understanding and refine your solution. Wow. Right? Uh, yeah, so it isn't that take a nail or, or drill a hole, take a nail and then a hammer, right? You could, if your problem was different, you could use different tools. So, and to be mindful that at different stages, you will require different inputs and expertise, all of which you are certainly not expected to have, mm. right? You can't be this Marvel comic hero, uh, <laughs> Madam Design Thinking, Superwoman, right? Um, you, you need all the heroes to make this heroic effort successful. So, it, but what it should do is open your mind to an approach to problem solving, which uses tools to help understand and acknowledge that perhaps you don't know who your users are. Mm. And even more strongly, perhaps you don't know what you don't know, right? Yep. So if you're at this exploratory stage, as often my clients are, then your job is to write a research brief and hire user researchers or ethnographers, uh, certainly not market researchers, Mm -hmm. uh, because they're skilled in doing contextual research, right? To observe yep. and interview your target users in their context, uh, not yours. So, mm -hmm. for example, don't bring people to use your kitchen appliance product in your very, very fancy state-of-the-art lab unless you're testing speed and accuracy of the machine. Yep. Because being in the user's context of use in their home or kitchen helps you truly understand the user's daily life, which leads to discovery and new insights. So you might discover in the case of the kitchen appliance that storage is a huge issue and you need to first work on the size of the product, perhaps its modularity for storage mm -hmm. versus aesthetic speed and accuracy. And even more interestingly, and I assure you this has happened at least 90% of the time in my, in my career uh, of research and design thinking, that more often than not, you might discover that the user you assume would need your solution, a solution is not the influencer or user at all. Mm -hmm. And this inspires uh, how you would reframe your challenge for innovation. And so that leads you to this whole idea of reframing. You're, you're, you've now had a massive mindset change. You're like, oh my God, we need to reframe what our innovation challenge is going to be. And mm -hmm. herein lies, uh, you, you, you know, that you need to have enormous courage at this stage because suddenly now you're in the mindset of the user, no longer in that of the business, your business group or your company, mm -hmm. right? Wow. And, and in this, this is where, I mean, this is where all the fuzzy friend and starts becoming very clear. Um, and, and we suggest that here's when you use a design thinking, questioning approach, right? To ask ourselves, how might we, Right? How suggests mm. humility that we don't have all the answers, we, the great big company, uh, client, business? A might recognizes that there are many ways in this world we can resolve this problem. Uh, and therefore, there are many other companies who might also be able to resolve this problem. And the we is about being inclusive to all our stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer me, large company, uh, what can I do for you? It's about how can we, you being critical to us innovating, do something that will make us all uh, benefit. Mm -hmm. So so well-crafted, uh, how might we challenge question becomes the foundation to kickstart your innovation project right in the center of the viable, possible, desirable model that I talked about earlier on. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah. we loop you back to this how might we question when you have solutions wow that is the first time i have understood how might we so deeply we just like that throw these words in hmws <laughs> so right so uh, probably i should ask you this question for the listeners who are out there what would be your advice to people um, who are wanting to learn design thinking how should they choose i mean what kind of considerations i don't know questions uh, they should kind of ask before they get into or sign up into a course yeah that's that's actually a great uh, that's a great question and and i suggest this to a lot of people before they sign up um off the top of my head these could be five questions people can ask right so the first is a uh, very 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 important i think really crowns your question is um are my workshop facilitators practitioners right mm. so will they share case studies to demonstrate how they applied design thinking with their clients the facilitators only know the theory of design thinking but have no on the ground practice and experience uh so what will they teach you they'll tell you how to use a tool or method but they can't give you real stories um with with users right failures and successes no so the second no um yeah so the second one is uh will i be taught how to problem frame so really a half day session on a how might we if you could even just do that you you're already i would say 25% there Ooh. so yeah will i be taught how to because how might we is not how might we improve design thinking it's not that it goes up to many 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 different levels right yeah. so um will i be taught to problem frame so i understand how to get the problem right what tools will i be taught to enable this mm, mm. the third question to ask is what sort of expertise will i need to take a design thinking challenge to fruition right it's a very simple value for money uh, return on investment question mm. that you should ask uh, the <laughs> workshop people uh, do i have this expertise or should i hire experts who specialize in this part of the research or process or whatever stage i'm in uh, mm. and how and what tools should i be aware of that they need to use to gather data it has happened before that after ex- excellent workshops with my clients they've gone back not done any prototype testing of an app with their colleagues at work because that was a user group and gone out and hired market research companies thereby increasing and creating a budget when there was no need to right yeah. so you you need to be aware of the uh, uh what it is that you need to do with this with this ammunition you have mm. fourth uh, fourth thing is will this uh, workshop be 75% hands on and 25% lecturers now it doesn't exactly have to be split up uh, like this but i would say uh, you know give the maximum weight to uh, the, what you're going to be uh, doing in the workshop and that that doing part should be learning by doing and not mm-hmm. listening uh, about how how hands on are we going to be Uh, will there be teams will we be producing artifacts will we prototype and test and present this right you want to be very clear and conscious and aware that this is going to be an activities oriented workshop and not mm. a lecture oriented workshop if it is a lecture oriented workshop you should ask for your money back my my yeah <laughs> my i suggest i suggest that strongly uh if possible ask if there would be a one on one coaching from the facilitator practitioner 
right? So mm. this way, you know that what you have learned can be applied in your world. Wow, that's uh, that's an amazing sum up of this design thinking world. Probably under twenty minutes, uh, Anjali. Thank you so much. I have learned as a practitioner. as a, an educator of design think took away so much more from this discussion with you and i'm sure it is going to be super helpful for everybody who is listening out there once again thank you so much for um, taking time out and sharing your wisdom with all of us thank you karthi thank you very much for having me here wasn't that awesome to listen to a short and a crisp masterclass on design thinking from a practitioner probably under one pomodoro in the next episode let's go ahead and tune into the depths and breadths of responsible design with at another star designer in the coming week stay tuned mm-hmm.